Welcome to episode 64 of For the Love of Guns. My guest today knows all about gun control and it has nothing to do about the gun, it has to do about the control. Today we're talking to Tony Simon. Now, Tony Simon is from 2A for Everyone and the Diversity Shoots. Tony and I have a great conversation for you today, and I really, really think not only are you going to have fun with this conversation, because I had a great time talking to him. He's, he's such a funny guy, and I just really love talking to him. But it's also educational at the same time. Now, before we talk to Tony, let's pay the bills. And this episode is brought to you by yourself. You're the reason that I can continue to bring you content. But in order to do that, I need your help. When you go shopping online, I need you to go to www trb.fyi and up in the menu you'll see partners and discounts find the website that you were going to go shopping on and these include brownells amazon all kinds of places just click on the link off that page and then when you go shopping a small portion of your purchase comes back to the channel and the greatest thing is it won't cost you one penny more than you were already going to spend now, there are discounts there, so make sure you take a look at that discount. And when you go shopping in your cart, go to checkout, put that discount code in there, and you can save some money. I mean, really, you can save money while helping me bring you gun content. That's pretty amazing. Now, with the bills paid, let's talk to Tony. Tony, tell me about your love of guns. Hey, I'm Tony Simon from the Second Is For Everyone Diversity Shoot, Second Is For Everyone podcast, and your favorite 2A supermodel. Also, I'm oh, the largest oh. pound-for-pound gun bunny in America. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, um, I started hosting something called the Second Is For Everyone Diversity Shoot here in New Jersey in 2015. And uh, so far, we've grown. We have four ranges in Jersey. We're in a range in PA, and I've also even... Uh, uh, flown out to Omaha, Nebraska with the uh, Nebraska Firearms Owners Association to host an event there. Our events are actually to welcome people into the firearms community. And if not welcome them in, at least introduce them to the firearms community and help break up the negative stereotypes about firearms owners. So we reach across to everyone, regardless of their race, their religion, their gender, their sexual orientation, or any other background that people have been using to divide Americans for the past 20 years. We reach across those lines. We invite them to the range. We try to make people feel comfortable. We um, introduce them to Second Amendment advocacy groups. Uh, we break down the racist history of gun control and how gun control is used to control Americans and people around the world. Uh, we also talk about legislation that happens. I mean, in Jersey, we talk about it. And then we also help people understand the laws in the states we're in. We have pizza, we have prizes, and then I have my volunteers take them to the range and we shoot guns. We shoot all kinds of guns. My volunteers, many of them are certified instructors. Some have been teaching people for 20, 30 years, but don't have any certifications. And they introduce these people to firearms. And while they're on the range, I'm doing the social butterfly thing, talking to people, asking if they're having a good time, finding out if they have a problem. And then I'm going in and having conversations with the individuals left in the room because, you know, we do relays. And that way people can talk to people and, and actually have conversations. And, and people do. 
the ice gets broken, and now we have real conversations. But we're only talking about the Second Amendment and the Second Amendment only. We don't talk about any other things. Um, I even don't want people talking about their favorite sports team only because it brings divisiveness into the room. But sports brings people together, and that's cool, too. But we just leave every other topic alone. So that's what I do. DiversityShoot.com if you want to help us fund it because we're hosting these things. We started out at Gun for Higher Range doing it once every other month. That was from 2015 until 2020 when COVID shut down the state of New Jersey and the governor decided it was going to be a great time to apply his gun control bullcrap. So he shut down every range and every gun store in the state and we had to sue him to open it. Well, while the state was closed, the Heritage Guild and Eastern PA reached out to me and said, hey, we've heard about what you do. We'd like you to host events in Pennsylvania since you can't host them in Jersey. And they were like, you can host it every week if you want. We just want you here because we enjoy the work you do. So we did it every month. So during COVID, we doubled the amount of events we do and started doing them every month. And then 2021 came and we ended up doing them uh, every month again. But 2022, we're doing two a month now at five different ranges. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun grows the community, welcomes people into it, and I get to meet and talk to a lot of new gun owners and introduce people to other gun owners that they never would have known own firearms because it breaks every stereotype. I mean, I know your audience is full of gun people because I was scanning through your <laughs> scanning through your uh, YouTube page. I am I am a gun channel. <laughs> You're a gun channel. But but you guys know you're good people. It's just like other people don't. The 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 stereotype being pushed through the media, through social media, and by politicians. Somehow we're horrible people, and it's like <laughs> you're kidding me. You mean the people that get background checks like multiple times a month? Yeah. yeah okay. <clears throat> yeah, we're we're the problem. Yeah, we're we're yeah. totally the problem. Yeah. Um. Well, and that's the one thing I love about the the whole diversity shoots things. You know, there is a stereotype of a gun owner, right? De- depending on what political realm you're in, there's a there's a stereotype. Okay, we're all NRA card carrying members that are out there to, you know, just kill people, and mm-hmm. and, and and then they'll call us everything in under the book. Yep. And that's the thing is, is we're we're not that at all. We're we're just <laughs> normal people. We we like to go out. We like to have fun. That's our sport. And I, you know, the whole thing of it doesn't matter of your race, religion, nationality, um, name it. It doesn't matter. We're all gun owners, right? And we can break down those barriers because I don't care. You know, it, when I'm on the range, I could care less what you are. I just care that number one, you're my fellow sportsman, and number two, that you're safe, right? Yep. That's all I now, care about. We, as long as we keep it on that level, we're good to go. Because truthfully, I mean, you know, I've been involved in other sports and things like that, and we have our own group of a holes. But everybody does because we're still human beings. But when it comes to introducing people to firearms and being at the range, for the most part, um, it's just decent people, and they'll look. Look, uh, you've been to a car show. Nobody goes, "Hey, you want to drive my Callaway Corvette?" No, it's really nice, man. 
But I've had people go, hey, you want to shoot my custom-made five, six, ten thousand dollar gun? You want to shoot my fuck Civil War era forty five seventy? Yeah, uh, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we're introducing people to the sport all the time. Yeah, that, that reminds me of uh, you know because I, I, when we moved out here to Montana, we got our concealed carry permits in Montana, and in Montana, you need to prove uh, competency with a firearm. If you're military, you can use a 4473 or you know, previous military, use 4473. And, and I know you served in the Marine Corps. And first of all, before we go too much farther, Tony, thank you for your service. Absolutely mm-hmm. love that you, you rose your, you know, you stood there, you took the oath and you're almost continuing that mission now. Uh, yeah. Um, thank you. Um, I, I swore that oath back in forever ago. But then I also work as uh, work the elections. So every time we open up um, the election polls, the paperwork we have to do is we have to actually sign that oath again every election. So I've been renewing that oath twice a year for 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) Working for the election uh, 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 is just hilarious, right? Election board. Exactly. Well, so going back to, to my story there about, uh, so I, my wife and I, we took a, a class. Now I've competed with um, pistols. You know, I've, I've gone through, I originally started off in GSSF back on the East Coast. Um, and then, you know, graduated up to USPSA and all that stuff, right? But so I can shoot. And this was, this class was held by a uh, Montana Highway Patrol, well, retired Highway Patrolman. And we did the class and then it became range day. So, and he only teach, he teaches a very small class. It was me and my wife and another couple. So during range day, you know, I had, I had, uh, I had just switched over to SIGs. So I had my SIG 229. My wife actually had a SIG 229. Um, and this couple was sharing a 22. Okay. And then, you know, we got through the class and the officer knew I competed. So he was getting me through fast, right? So that way everybody could see the drill and then mm-hmm. I could, I could get through and then he could focus on the stuff. Well, anyways, at the end of the class, um, you know, I, I, anytime there's range, there's steel on the range, I want to shoot it. Right. So I competed with a Glock 17 and I said, I'm say, Hey Randy, do you mind if I just go over and bang on the steel for a little bit? He's like, yeah, no, go ahead. You know, no, no big deal. Cause it was a, it was a, it was a private range. I mean, this was actually at his brother's house. Nice. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I get over there and I just start running with that Glock 17. And, you know, this is a gun I competed with. I know this gun. This is, when I turned 21, this was the gun I bought when I turned 21. Nice. Um, so anyways, I, I'm, I'm coming back and, and um, Randy's like, yeah, the husband was watching you shoot. He goes, wow, he goes, you're good. And he goes, it ought to be with that gun. That's his competition gun. And, uh, you know, it's a stock 17. There's nothing special about it. And I walked over to the guy. I go, do you want to shoot it? He's like, no, 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 no. I, I'm like, come on. How are you going to know what you like until you shoot it? I go, so I handed him two mags. And I go, here, go shoot the steel with it. Right? So he comes back after shooting one mag. He goes, yeah, yeah, I like it. I go, I gave you two mags. <laughs> go go shoot it you know I'm like when well, you're done if you want to shoot my sig no problem i'll let you shoot my sig and 
And that's the thing about shooting sports. I mean, even, you know, I learned that in competition, you show up, if somebody's missing something, somebody in the shoot has it, an extra one that they'll <laughs> lend you. Yep. That's just um, the way it is. It's, it's a very, very friendly brotherhood. Uh, well, not just brotherhood, but uh, community. It's a family. And, it's, yeah, it's community. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what um, <clears throat> I started this in 2015, but I'd already been doing 2A advocacy. But my partner in this, uh, Sean, when we first started, um, he was like, yeah, dude, just go ahead and do it. Like, I, I got you back, you know, if you need help and stuff like that. And we also started something called the Minuteman Challenge. And the Minuteman Challenge is a shooting competition that we came up with uh, that we stole somebody else's idea and, and, and asked them about it. Hey, can we steal your idea to actually use it for a shooting competition? And it was just uh, the weekly drill down from Four Guys Guns from a few years ago. And we were like, let's turn this into a shooting competition where we get dudes. One week it'll be, hey, we're shooting 22s. We're shooting semi-automatic 22 rifles. Get your semi-automatic 22 rifle out, and it's called a Minuteman Challenge. And you just show up with it, and we're going to shoot 200 rounds in this friendly competition. And here's a poker chip and bragging rights. And that's what we did. And then the next week, uh, we're doing mechanical. What? Pistol caliber carbine mechanical. So if you have a bolt-action pistol caliber carbine, a lever-action pistol, we don't care, but we're running drills with that. And we just tried to touch on each genre of firearm just so everybody could be included. And it was a lot of fun. And we had dudes come out and I'm out of ammo. And somebody else would just shove a full mag in their hand. Here, keep going. <laughs> and it's like, that was his competitor. His time yep. was fried. And you gave him, and he beat you in this drill. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it is. We had... um. I was at a, a USPSA match one time, and it wasn't in my squad. It was another squad. Um, someone, it was a brand new shooter, never competed before, underestimated the round count, right? So they went around and they're just like, hey, look, does anybody have any extra ammo? Well, I'm sitting there going, like, I got like an ammo can in my trunk, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know, I know everybody in my squad, cause this is a very, the squad that I was in that we're all, we all know each other and we're all very big shooters. I'm sitting there going, man, we probably have enough ammo in our trunks to like kick off a war. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, we could, we could probably, we could probably arm NATO with the stuff that's in our trunks. And we're just like, dude, come on. Like, I mean, we're like leaving. We're, you know, we're telling, we're telling the RO like, Hey, look, we're just going to step away to help this guy out with some ammo. We're, we're like opening trunks. Like, what do you need? And he's like, well, I, I, I don't know, man. We're like, dude, just grab a handful out of my trunk, grab a handful out of his trunk. And we're, he's just like, really? How do I, he's like trying to get our address. Like, how do I repay? I'm like, dude, just have fun. We're happy yeah. you're here. Yeah. There is no repay. Look, dude, it's, we only can say pay it for it. Here. Exactly. Here. Because we know you'll pay it for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my very first shooting anything in the state of New Jersey. I think it's a funny story. I don't care if anybody else does because I'm in life to entertain myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm online on a Sunday. <clears throat> blah, 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 blah. 
fell down a rabbit hole on the internet and came up upon single action cowboy shooting. Oh Not yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've stumbled across Jesse Duff, who is oh, a yeah. Yeah. horror shooter. And I forgot the name of her character she played. Uh, because yeah, you saw, have I, I know the I know the picture you're talking about. Oh, I saw a video of her burning it down which, and I'm like one, she's very very beautiful woman, very nice lady too. I've actually met her since then. But beautiful woman, and I was like, Whoa, what the frick is this? Cowboy action. So boom, right down the rabbit hole from that video. And then I found out Jersey has something called a hole in the wall gang. And I found their website. So I was like, all right, simple website, simple page. Hey, they have a friggin' shoot today. I want to go see what a cowboy action shoot looks like. So it had a phone number, and I called it. It was the president of the Hole in the Wall gang, his cell phone. And he was like, yeah, um, I'm on my way to the competition now to set everything up. How did you get my number? I'm like, it's on your webpage. He was like, wow, this is my cell phone. So we're going to have to change that. But, hey, come on down. So he tells me where the thing is, right? <clears throat> Middle of nowhere in New Jersey. I jump in my car. I was like, this is exciting. I jump in my Cadillac. All right, so black guy stereotype, right? Uh, I'm rolling in my Cadillac. I'm banging music out. And I'm flying down the road, and I'm going through the woods in the middle of nowhere in New Jersey. And this is so long ago that I have, uh, what was the name of it? What was the name? You had to print out MapQuest. I had a MapQuest oh, print out. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to find a place with a MapQuest print out. And I get all the way to the gate. Again, middle of bum F New Jersey. Punching the cut, and I'm like, yo, I'm gonna go hang out with a bunch of white people that like reenacting the late 1800s in America. <laughs> that was not a stellar time to be a black dude in America. And I'm gonna go, and I didn't tell anybody where I'm going. I just jumped in the car and left. I'm like, this could be the worst decision I've ever made in my life. In the middle so of the barrens in Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dude, I could freaking disappear and nobody knows it. <clears throat> so I pull up, boom, jump out the caddy. And a dude pulls up on a golf cart with a cowboy hat, whole outfit, six. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're dressed They're dressed to the nines like that. Dude, yeah, It was their opening. It was the season opener. So everybody was there. Everybody had their new outfits on. Everybody had their new guns. And... Uh, this guy, President Association, was awesome. Took me around and introduced me to everybody as if I was family, bro. And he was like, this is Tony. This is our first thing. He's like, yeah, you want to shoot? Because we'll let you shoot. Well, I did not have my New Jersey Firearms ID card, and they couldn't let me shoot a gun. But I got to hang out with these people. I was in every bay. I was blown away by it. And the gender stereotypes is reversed if you've ever been to a SAS competition. So the women talk about guns. They talk about the guns, their favorite caliber, the work they had done on the gun, how they wear their rig, that equipment. And the dudes talk about where they got their clothes, the original, like where, where you scrounge this at, like where'd you get that original 18 something something shirt. It is the funniest thing to watch that whole interaction. But man, was it. It was an eye-opener 
and how the stereotypes about people were wrong. If you listen to people, you'd think these would be the most racist white people you ever seen. And I'm like, they didn't know me from a bucket of paint. And they were as friendly as they could be. So yeah, they're, they're out there to have fun and they're happy that someone's interested in in what they're doing. Yeah. And it was a great time, man. And it was a great time. So when I started hosting these events, I want people to have that much fun at my events. I want them to be blown away. And it really sucks because when I pick pictures out for my event, if you follow me, I'm on Simon Says Train on Instagram, Simon Says Train on Facebook, and the second is for everyone on, on, on Facebook also. So when I post pictures and post videos up of the event, I used to be hard-pressed because I was like, all right, I got to show people the diversity of the event, and my instructors range from everybody. But these are friends of mine at this point. I've been working with them for freaking seven years. So I don't know about you, but I don't put my friends in categories when I'm trying to think of, like, racial diversity yeah. or something. No, and it's I like, care. I don't care, but now I got to care because of the optic of social media. And yeah. it's hilarious that I know what caliber and what kind of gun they're willing to shoot or want to shoot or prefer shooting before I think about, well, what race is he? <laughs> Who's? Okay, somebody's something. <laughs> like, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, Nick, Nick, Nick's Asian. Let me get a picture of Nick. And, and um, 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 hold on. Angelo, Angelo's Italian, but. He's that dark-skinned Italian, so he could pass for anything. So people will never know in this picture. Let's put him in a picture. And it's stupid as I don't know what, because it makes no freaking difference. But people get so caught up in the bullcrap optic that it does make a difference. And it really does welcome people when they see somebody that looks like them, when they've been told their whole life that nobody at a gun range will welcome someone that looks like you. So that helps break the bullshit lie that you've been told your entire life, either blatantly or subliminally, because people don't realize that even in your entertainment, they put that, push that narrative. I mean, think about the Reacher movie, right? <clears throat> uh, with Tom Cruise. When they go into the gun shop with the long range shooting, like they have the Southern accent, what if your customers saw, knew you had a cat? It was all freaking anti-gun stereotype, like negative stereotype. And I'm like, for a whole whole movie that was based on you using firearms, you sure did crap on firearms owners and people that go to a range. And you don't notice that, but it's like, yeah, that's the crap they've been pushing. And, and maybe as gun people, we notice it. But regular people don't. They don't understand that they've been maneuvered into thinking we're a certain way. And, yeah. and when I host the event, I try to crack that shell, but I don't beat them over the head with it. They have to know. Listen, if you're too stupid to notice that there's a room full of people from every background around you, then, then you, you're pretty freaking dense because people do recognize it's like, holy crap, there's Asians, there's Hispanics, there's blacks, there's whites. In this room, and all of them are listening to me and my host, uh, me, me, you know, me and my volunteers and the Second Amendment advocates talk about things that make sense to them because we're not off the wall. We're talking about a civil right, and we're applying it to you and your family. 
and even if they don't agree, at least they can listen. And we're not coming going. The problem with you libtards is. Yeah, that's and that's the thing is, you know, and one of the things that drives me nuts about our community, you know, we talked about it being community. There are and just just like you said, there's a holes no matter where you go. Right. Everybody, yep. everybody's got an a-hole in their group. Um and that's just that's just the way it is. And and sometimes, you know, people in our community, you know, you will get will you know, like I'll get bashed. I'm not two A enough. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, you don't understand. I I you know, I'm not the the real heavy duty two A speaker kind of person. Now, lately I've been getting more into that because of something that happened to me and my channel because of five U.S. senators taking videos <laughs> off of YouTube, um, but that was my moment that I pushed over. But you know, I I was telling somebody that it's like I don't understand what your problem is because look at me as I'm the gateway drug, right? I'm the person that is you know trying to help the first time gun owner, the first time the person that's trying to work on their gun for the first time that's afraid to. That's that's my audience. I want I want those people. I want them to come in, and then they're going to be like, "Hey, look, this is not bad. This is pretty cool stuff." Yep. What's next? Let them make the next step. Yep. You have to. Uh, that's what we found out with the uh, not only the diversity shoot because I don't push you any kind of way. I'd like you to come to the next one. I'd like you to come to the next one. I'd like you to come to the next one. And what you'll do on your own is you'll buy your first gun. You'll become friends with somebody at the events. All of a sudden, you guys are going to events together, and, and you're discovering stuff on your own, and you got set up on the path by coming to our event. And it's like, good to go. When I started being a firearms trainer, I didn't come into this going, I'm training tactical teams. I came into it as a firearms training work. I want to train anyone that wants to take that first step into gun ownership. I want them to get a, a solid foundation of uh marksmanship and safety i'm like <clears throat> so i want you to be able to shoot but more importantly i wanted you to be able to be safe that when this is the reputation i want in the industry as a trainer you might not know tactical stuff when you come to the tactical dudes class but at least if he hears that i trained you he knows you're going to be safe and he knows you understand the basics of marksmanship and truly, if you come in a class like that, you can go anywhere. <clears throat> you can learn anything else. You just, but to be safe right from the jump because you learned it the right way. I'm like, even because <clears throat> I talk to women, I have a lot more women in my classes than a lot of people do um, because I've been blessed um, with the people that initially came to my class, word of mouth, and my partner, we were able to <clears throat> establish more females. And when I tell them, look, learning terminology is important because people make assumptions when you say clip. People make assumptions when you say this other stuff. But way more important than that is to be able to handle the gun safely and no gun store etiquette. And when yeah. you walk in and go, hey, I'm looking for da -da -da, a pistol for ED, you know, everyday carry or home defense or just looking and they hand you a gun. You go, can I pick it up? And say, yeah. And then you check it to make sure it's empty without freaking uh, uh, flagging them. Flag it, yeah. Flag it, everybody. I've <clears throat> I've seen that at, at counters. 
Yeah, oh yeah, so they're looking at the gun, and everybody's like ducking the muzzle. <laughs> like, hey. but, but meanwhile, if if this lady comes in who doesn't, because a lot of the ladies are in every age group. I've had my sister who was in her mid twenties, to I had one of my female doctor coworkers who was in her late sixties. So you have this little Indian doctor walk in and ask to see like a Glock forty three, and she picks it up. She doesn't flag you. She keeps her finger high and indexed. And then she just locks the slide back. You're like, oh. Yeah. Well, okay. So now you're on a whole nother level <clears throat> of expectation. A lot of, a lot of respect was just given right there. Yep. When, that, it's like, when you do things like that, a lot of respect has been given. And people know that. And I'm like, it's important that as a female, you understand because you do, most women do, they know that when they go into whatever's male-dominated, they're looked at as if they don't know anything. I'm like, just by coming in, asking, can you pick it up, and then clearing the gun without aiming it at anybody, locking the slide to make sure it's empty, and then if you ask them to drive fire to whatever, cool. But just knowing how to lock the slide open, make sure it's not empty, and keep your finger high and indexed, you just raise yourself up to, well, this lady knows what she's doing and I better not try to BS her too much. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's funny because um, this year I got a chance to talk to a lot of um, female 2A people, but a lot of people, you know, um, you know, it started off with um, um, Robin Sandoval from a girl in the gun. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, amazing person. Wow. Um, yeah. Had a great talk. I mean, her the whole history of her coming into two A. She was very anti gun. <laughs> anti gun, one hundred percent. You know, talking to her, Diana Mueller. Uh, um, she was uh, never anti gun. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, and uh, Re Rebecca Schmoy. Um, yep. Talking to them about the whole female aspect of it, you know, and then talking to Robin, tell Robin about like, you know, I remember teaching, teaching my wife how to shoot. And she's like, <laughs> or we, we, you know, we probably had, we, we probably need to talk to her to get her out of whatever you taught her. Like, no, no, it's, it's okay. You know, but I, I get that. Right. Cause yeah. there are people who don't have great instructors to begin with. Like I had, you know, I, I, I've taken a lot of people to the range for their first time. You know, I've had people like, I want a Desert Eagle. Like, have you ever shot a gun before? No. All right, look, why don't you come to the range with me and let's go shoot some guns. And, you know, I'll start them off on a 22. And they're like, well, I don't want to shoot 22. You never shot it. You know, how, how do you know you don't like it? And then, you know, working them through, uh, you know, through revolvers and stuff like that. Like uh, I had one person that was um, we were shooting uh, my 38. It was you know, so I was shooting 38s and he was shooting 38s, shoot, going back and forth. And then I loaded up some 357s in it, and I set that thing off. And he's like, "What the hell was that?" I'm like, "That's 357." He goes, "Man, I don't like that." I go, "Dude, you want a 50?" Yeah, <laughs> you, you uh, want a Desert Eagle 50? 357 is the smallest caliber. Most Desert Eagles come in. I'm not counting yeah. 41. I'm not counting 41 AE because most people have no clue what I'm talking about. You know what so, it is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and never mind. 357 is still smaller than 41 AE. So anyway, um, yeah, it is what but it yeah, is. But it, yeah, it's like people need 
people need that good uh, instructor. They need that good experience at the range where they can bring them along. And that's why I like talking to people like, you know, uh, like the women I just told. And that's why you're on tonight is that we're talking about this. And for everybody that's listening, we're actually recording this on Wednesday. You'll hear it Monday. <laughs> um, we recorded this a few days earlier. But no, it's that's what I want because I want people to seek out good instructors. Definitely. I want them to have a great time at the range and enjoy themselves because that's what this sport is about. It's about enjoying yourself and being safe. Most importantly, being safe. 100% being then, safe. And then, you know, if you can get to a range where you have everybody there that is like, you'll learn that you can just talk to another shooter. If I'm going to a range, you know, <laughs> when, when, when the range is clear, everyone's looking down the range going, who are they shooting? Right. And then you're always going to have a conversation because somebody's going to have something cool. Yep. Right. Uh, it's just, it's going to be cool. And you're going to talk about it. I mean, I, uh, I was at a shoot here in Montana. Uh, our laws here are pretty, pretty uh, relaxed. Um, and this guy was a visitor to the range, you know, because he was shooting. He was shooting competition. The competition was over, and he goes, "So, what's the range rules about full auto?" And everybody's like, "It's highly encouraged at this range, right?" And so he's like, oh, "Okay, cool. Well, I have an M2 carbine." Nice. You don't see it. I mean, everyone knows what an M1 carbine is. Not a lot of people Nobody see an M2. an M2. Yep. Right? He's got an M2. And we're just like, nobody's leaving. Everyone wants how to see this M2. How much bloody carbine do you have, bro? And do we have yeah, time exactly, to right? <laughs> <laughs> Um. So, yeah, he got a chance to shoot. Everybody got to see something new. And it was, it was, it's great when you go to the range and you get to see that cool stuff. Yep. Um, <clears throat> it was, it, it's awesome. I, I just, that's why I love this community. Um, and that's why I love people coming into the community the right way. Yep. Um, it, you know, we always heard through, through the whole pandemic about, you know, there's so many millions of brand new gun owners, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. You're a gun owner. I'm happy you're a gun owner. I'm glad that you're welcome to the club. Now go get some training. Because most of those people bought their first gun, bought their token box of ammo, and they have no idea what to do with that. Okay. There's a lot that you said there about the first-time gun owners. And one another one of the reasons that I started this is because my time, the time frame the time expanse between me purchasing my first gun and me becoming a 2A advocate is a 20-year separation. And I think a lot, hap a lot happened in that 20 years. Assault weapons ban, assault weapons ban in New Jersey, assault weapons ban, sunsetting. All that happened in that 20 years, and we have to shorten that time period with these new gun owners. And the only way you can shorten that time period is actually have conversations with them, bring them in and introduce them to Second Amendment advocacy and why that's a very, very important. And, and, and if nobody imparts that importance upon you, that thing just becomes a thing that you own that's in your sock drawer that you don't shoot, you don't use. And then when the fear of 2020, 2021 fades into memory, which is happening already, um, 
you forget about that thing and your rights about owning that thing. <clears throat> and it's like, no, 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 no. We need to bring these people to the range. We need to get them to shoot their guns. We need to get them to realize that you don't know what the hell you're doing with this thing. And I'm not saying that you need training, but many of the people that bought a gun out of fear um, have never really thought it through. And they think they can stick bullets in gun, go boom, boom, and hit what they... And I'm like, yeah, you can, if you're lucky, only because most time in civilian defensive shootings, or defensive gun uses, the person's close. Yeah. But if you ever, ever look at the numbers, because one of the podcasts I do is Self-Defense Gun Stories on the Firearms Radio Network. I mean, excuse me, Self-Defense Gun Stories on the Self-Defense Radio Network. And um, a lot of these people miss, bro. Uh, dude's in the living room, and you open fire on them, and shots are exchanged, and nobody's hit. Well, those bullets go somewhere, and you're shooting in your house with your family. Don't you yeah. think it's kind of important to have at least enough skills down that you could hit a dude between zero and whatever's a long shot in your house? Yeah. Like, like yeah, that's if, important. If think about it. In a house, 30 feet is a long shot. That's a long haul. Yeah. yeah. So, so at least have skills enough to know, okay, if I'm at the front door, and this person or, or, you know, is going up the steps to where my daughter is, I can hit him without that shot going into my daughter's room if I have to. And also, when you bring people in, you have conversations and, oh, you're not paranoid. It's just a skill set that you bring into the table. Oh, I want to carry because of what happened in the shooting at supermarket in Buffalo. All right. Well, I don't need to be able to shoot that far. I'm like, well, how 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 long is the lane the aisle at, at your supermarket? You ever think you might have to shoot down that? Like, if your wife is at checkout and you had to go back and get something, and now you come up and there's somebody pointing a gun at in the general vicinity of who's ever checking out to rob the register, can you hit them? And it's a question you need to have run through your head. What is your skill set? So you do not, I do not feel in any way you need training to own a gun. But I 100% go, hey, if you own a firearm for defensive use, you should get some training just to know what you don't know. I'm not saying you need to take a class seven times a year, but get formal training and you realize, oh, crap, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know how to clear a malfunction. Where am I going to learn that from? Well, we, we do that in training so you know how to clear your gun. Um, or you don't shoot enough because you go there and you shoot half a box of ammo and you're like, this crap's 45 cent around. I'm not yeah. shooting all this. <laughs> yeah. um, and you put yourself under no real pressure because no one else is watching. Everybody's in their lane paying attention to their stuff. Well, now you're in a class and you get to see each other and now you're like, oh, I don't want to suck. So that adds a little bit of pressure to you. And now all of a sudden you're like, I kind of suck. Yeah, yeah. It's because you don't know the fundamentals. So, again, I don't because people misconstrue crap all the time. I don't think you need to have a requirement or training requirement to carry or anything. But I think we need to get the culture responsible to go. You should take some training so you have a base of knowledge. And, and that'll help everybody out. Safety knowledge and firearms usage. I ain't going to name no names. But let's just say I had a family member that's been carrying an HK P30. Uh, what's the short one? What's, what's uh, uh, Kurtz? 
Yeah, P30K. Um, for two years and didn't know how to take it apart to clean it. Yeah. So he's been carrying this thing in the side of the waistband and has never oh, cleaned gonna it. All, that's going to be all kinds of nasty. Let me explain what that barrel looked like. Oh. You could have knitted a sweater. Oh, and by the way, he's never the really... You, yeah, he could have knitted a sweater from the lint. More obviously, my man has not been shooting that gun at all. Yeah. Because it would have, should have blown up. <laughs> or, or at least had a drier lint fire going on inside the barrel. <laughs> yeah, have a, nice, have a nice fireball coming out the side just from the lint igniting. <laughs> and it all smells like downy. <laughs> what ammo are you shooting that smells like bounty is that lavender what is it yes it's, and a, new like, wow. it's a new gucci ammo <laughs> you protect you have the firearm to protect members of my family and you've never cleaned your gun and you haven't shot it in at least two years but nice choice on your first gun, by the way. I mean, that yeah, ain't yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome choice. And that's the, and I agree with you. You don't. You do not need any training to own a firearm. You don't. Uh, I believe that training, you know, going out and being proficient with a firearm, goes hand in hand with being a responsible firearm owner, right? Being safe with it. That's all being responsible. So. Knowing that you don't, you don't know anything, right? You know, if you learned how to shoot because you watched John Wick, it don't happen that way. It it just doesn't. Um, you know, I remember my my father and I. Uh, it's back when my father was still alive. We were looking at a at a gun range, and um, we were we would you know we were just looking at different gun ranges to go shoot at. And we were at this one gun range, and it, it had a nice store. It had some nice glass that you could see the range and all that stuff. And um, <laughs> so this guy pulls a shotgun out with a pistol grip, no stock. We're like, okay. And he does this with it. Oh, we're bang you know, we're banging on the glass. It's stupid because nobody can hear us over the gunfire in there. Uh, he squeezed that trigger and came around with a mouthful of blood. And it was like, that could have been avoided if he had just asked for help. Right? Or did a little bit of research on it. Two things. One, self-correcting behavior. Yes. He won't do that again. No. Two, great opportunity to buy a shotgun really cheap right now. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I, my father died in what ninety six. So this was probably like ninety four, ninety five. We saw this. It's it's taken me until t right now when you said that to realize that I have missed that opportunity for <laughs> what thirty years now. Sorry. Hey, dog. <laughs> That thing could kill you. I'll buy it off you right now for 400 bucks, man. <laughs> here's, here's a napkin. Clean up. <laughs> 520s. Thank you. Hi, gun store. 
Can you give me a stock for this piece of garbage that throws pistol grip away? That was a horrible. I <clears throat> okay. There's a way to shoot a stockless shotgun. There is. There is. There's a way to climb Mount Everest. I'm not interested in either one of those things. Um, I mean, uh, outside of picking up the skill, uh, something concepts, I can't think of the guy's name, but he has a whole little brace that he puts on that allows you to shoot the shotgun, uh, the short shockwave and all that with a cheek weld. Oh, wow. He has a thing set up and it's a cheek weld and you put it on your cheek and he has a whole shooting technique with your thumb off your cheek, but with the gun itself on your cheek. And what happens is your whole head and everything recoils with it, so it's not punching you in the face. Yeah. And I've watched him run semi-automatic with the TAC-14, I think it is. Remington makes the TAC-14, right? And then the pump action is the yep. 13. Anyway, he's running with all of it, and I'm like, that's really effective. He was like, look, it's really short. If you think about it, you're using this thing with a 14-inch barrel, right? It's on your cheek. It's shorter than if you put the shotgun over your shoulder with that room clearing method they taught us when I was yep. in the Marine Corps. He was like, it's even shorter than that, and you have a better side alignment, side picture kind of whole thing going. That's interesting, and I'm thinking about going ahead and getting that and just trying it because somebody gave me a 14-and-a-half-inch <laughs> barrel for the Remington <laughs> And I'm like, well, I got a half the gun. I might as well buy the yes. I don't get the other half. <laughs> might as well get the other half. I, I got the barrel for free. <laughs> I mean, but this is this is gun people logic that you'd have to be in it to understand it. Yeah. Um I got donated years ago, like six years ago, some ammo from retired law enforcement trainer. Because 30 years working as law enforcement trainer you've gone through a lot of calibers uh, because they start out with 357, 38 back in the seventies and they went through 40 and into nine. So they had all that old training ammo that just didn't get used that they didn't shoot up themselves. And they were like, here, <clears throat> well, I didn't have a 357 Magnum and I gave you a box of 357 Magnum. Like what choice do I have? You got to buy a gun yep. now, right? <laughs> I guess I got to buy a 357 Magnum. So I ended up getting a uh, 686 because uh, one of the students I had had an issue. She couldn't rack a slide. And it wasn't because of the whole technique that we tell people. It was because her grip strength in her hands wasn't strong enough to actually grip onto the side. Like, like she didn't have that hand strength. Yeah. <clears throat> so I told my FFL, who's a competition shooter, law enforcement dude, uh also range master for the entire department that we worked for so he knows guns and he calls me up and hey uh, tony i found a 686 in pennsylvania where i host my classes he hosts classes there too for retired law enforcement he was like 600 bucks for 686 it's a great price i looked it over he's also a gunsmith he was like i checked it out really good deal come get it I was like, all right, boom, went straight there, bought it. How course, had to pay the transfer fees out of Pennsylvania, give it to him. He had to transport it back into Jersey, and then I had to pay for it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I told him why. Now, remember, he, he lived three miles away, but paperwork, right? 
across the border. Um, So he knew why I was doing it, and he gave me a trigger job that was so lovely. It took me two weeks to figure out how to shoot the single action on purpose. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, I I was able to shoot the double double action with six pounds. The double action trigger pull was just... That's amazing. I'm like, wow. So I'm shooting double action at like 50 yards, no problem. And I'm trying to figure out how to shoot it a single, but every time, side alignment, side picture, exhale, and I'm shooting off a rest because I'm trying to shoot just, I'm trying to take as many variables out of it as possible to learn this trigger, right? Side alignment, side picture, bang! Hold on. <laughs> side alignment, bang! So two weeks of that, because he gave me a butt ton of 38 uh, wide cutters. Nice. Just They're old school. Nice, nice holes. Like like a hole puncher, right? Yeah, it's hole. So I finally figure out the trigger. I'm like, damn, this thing is accurate. So I'm talking to one of the guys, and we had a spot and scope at the range. So I got a target about, I don't know, it's a little bit in a notebook piece of paper, and it had the hostage target on it that you'd use at like seven yards, you know, like half the face is red, and then it's yep. got the full silhouette. I took it out to 100 yards. One shot, nailed the hostage taker in the forehead from 100. Wow. Dude was That's spotting accurate. me. On, he spotted me on the spotting scope. The target was only this wide that was red. Yeah. And I just saw at 100 yards a smear, and I was like, pain. He was like, so I'm like, what happened? You know what I mean? I'm like, what happened? And he pulls off and he looks at me and goes, dude, right through the hostage's fa- uh, hostage taker's face. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, you took the hostage taker, bro. You took it out at 100 yards. And if I wasn't here spotting. At 100 <laughs> yards, your front sight is covering the entire target. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I looked at it and I was like, okay, it's over here cutting that. Yep. <clears throat> If you take your time and study this, I shot really well. I shot competition air rifle in high school, 10 meter. If nobody's ever shot that, the bullseye at 10 meters is when you look head on at a pencil eraser. That's the diameter of the bullseye. So you concentrate (laughs) on what your sight picture is. Yeah. That's how big your bullseye is. (laughs) <laughs> so you concentrate and once you do some is is the ultimate aim small miss small yeah and it also helps because you're on the timer and people are like how does that help i was in a chris costa class one of the drills chris runs 50 yards you got to put shots on target at 50 yards with your carbine this is the cet one class of the host boom we drop down everybody's got a shot most people can't count to 10. They don't know 10 seconds when you put them under pressure. Yeah. And this is a line of like 10 dudes, maybe 12 dudes. <clears throat> and all of them have been to multiple classes. I'm sitting there and I'm boom. I'm a big dude. I went prone. I move. <laughs> I got to get my breath back. So I'm like, boom. Side alignment. You, you align your body with the target. Get your breath down. You get comfortable. You get your elbows under. I'm not talking my way through it. 
Exhale, safety off, finger on the trigger. Inhale, exhale, pull the trigger. Beep. <laughs> He's like, dude, I didn't think you were going to make it. I'm like, 10 seconds is a long time, bro. What? Did he <laughs> not like, realize you were a Marine? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> well, it's funny because I showed up and no dig on anybody that takes training classes. None at all. Um, I showed up. I had my PSA rifle that I built. So, but my friend owns Modern Material in Jersey, Joe, and he was like, hey, I'd like you to shoot our rifle, our ace uh, rifle in this class, Mod Mad Ace, and uh, give a review on it on your podcast, and you just run it. You know, you provide your ammo. He ain't that great. <laughs> he was like, you provide the ammo, I'll provide the gun. <clears throat> so I ended up shooting his gun through the whole thing. But I get out of my vehicle, and I'm like, jeans? A t-shirt, work boots. I got, you know, a Poland Spring, big-ass bottle of Poland Spring. I shove that in my back pocket to carry it with me. I uh, put my AR mags in my back pockets and the front pockets, and let's roll. Everybody else at the class had cry precision on uh, all the Aterix gear. Friggin' all, I'm like, are we getting deployed after the class? Like, if, if we going, <laughs> we going overseas after this motherfucker? I mean, like, if I do well, are you, do I get to go to Afghanistan? Was were were you at Fort Dix when you did this? You know, you, you know, they're they're going to load you <laughs> I, into a C one thirty at the end of this, bro. I was like, what the freaking frack? And and look, nicest dudes. Oh, I'm a computer programmer. I'm a doctor. I'm a this. Everybody had a really good job. Everyone had. Like uh, Trigicon, uh, drop leg holsters, or Trigicon. Like they were all pimped the frig out. I'm like, yeah, I got mags in my back pocket. Why? Because uh, I know in real life, you know, as the I'm old guy, like yeah, I'm not, I, I got the gear. I actually have it in the trunk. I'm like, that shit hot and heavy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I got, I got the, I got the war belt. I got the chest rig. It's all set up. All I have to do is put it on. That's been hot <laughs> and heavy. It, it's funny you're you're talking about the story. You know, before we started, you you were on Ghost Tacticals podcast. Ghost is a is a good friend of mine. No, and, no, Clover. Uh, I, remember, I was on Clover Tech. Oh, you're on Clover Tech. That's right. Yeah, we were talking about that. Ghost. Um, okay. So, Ghost. Um, I was on his podcast one night, and we we're talking about like gear, tactical gear, and like I am not a tactical person. Okay, I, some of that stuff. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, great! It's just not me, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out there, and I'm probably not even gonna go rolling with jeans. I'm probably gonna be out there with shorts, just because I, I don't want to be hot, right? Because yeah. I'm, I'm kind of. That's just the way I am. And and I told you know, goes like, well, you know, what do you think about plate carriers? I'm like, dude, that's just not me. And he he stops and he thinks he says, I'm now trying to picture you in a plate carrier and it just doesn't work because i know you i'm like yeah i just yeah i agree i'm glad people have all that stuff if they're comfortable with it awesome me i'm just gonna rock out with what i got <laughs> i uh we, we did plate carriers uh with with the arm in it because i this is early days so i have ar 500 plates 
you know, because this this is what we had ten years ago. So don't. I love the people that go oh, that that that'll get you killed in the streets. I was cutting edge ten years ago, so shut up. And uh, <laughs> and I, I'm like, brah. So we were in a class. I actually taught on Fort Dix. <clears throat> I, I taught at Range 14 on Fort Dix. That's where we hosted our classes at. It's a open. It's a public range that you can join. Not that much money, and uh, but it's a public range, so you got people being stupid on it. Even though they have RSOs walking the line, we were teaching a AR-15 class. We were teaching a rifle class, NRA rifles, first steps, and of course we had ARs there because that's what people really wanted. We we started out on our 22s, but they were up to ARs immediately because they don't kick. <clears throat> I mean, not really, and. Uh, the guys at the table next to us, it was like six of them, eight of them. And they were supposed to be at two different tables. Well, they had all their guns laid out on the ground behind them. And they kept, instead of bringing them to the table case, they would just get them one at a time and bring them up and just flag everybody on the line multiple times. Oh, God. And uh, my students, of course, immediately noticed it because the safety brief we beat into them during class. Because it's more important that you be safe with a firearm than even competently, uh, competently good at hitting a target. And I stood between them and these dudes acting like a-holes with a shotgun until the RSO came. And I told them, look, dude, these guys got to go. They're violating range safety rules and everything else. And it's just not safe here. <clears throat> so he stood there and all of a sudden they somehow got religion and knew the safety rules all of a sudden. <laughs> and I was like, whatever it takes. But after that, yeah. me and my partner were like, we're going to put wear a vest. Man, we did like two classes with armor on. I'm like, yeah, we ain't doing that shit no more. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just reporting you. I'm becoming a snitch. It's way more comfortable <laughs> for me to snitch than it is for me to wear this armor. Well, and that's the thing is, you shouldn't have to wear protective gear. I was because thinking, other people are not following the rules. What I was thinking was other people aren't going to follow the rules and I don't want to get hurt in the interim. Yeah. But really what, what you do, you just call, make the call, dude. If they're being unsafe, you flag them down, you tell them and screw you. If you're upset, get off the range. You're unsafe. Yeah. And that's what it really came down to. I was trying to avoid conflict, but it really is not avoiding conflict. You're allowing somebody to endanger others, including yourself. And the fact of the matter is, an 8 by 11 plate covers me from, like, right here. It doesn't cover anything else. Up. It covers like this. So, yeah, it's useless. All of me is getting hit regardless. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's funny because um, I remember one time I had a, a brand new shooter at outdoor range. And... Um, you know, I was going through the safety rules and stuff like that. And, um, you know, there's no there's no RSO at the range. I mean, it's, it's okay. a public range on public land and, you know, follow the rules and stuff like that. So I'm like, look, these are the rules. And then, you know, we call, um, you know, clear, you know, range, you know, range cold to go down range. Yeah. And I'm like, cool, we're going to go down, change our targets. And I go to step, you know, I go to step out in front of the line. and I look down the line. And the guy, and I stop, and the guy runs into me from behind. And 
instantly he he's looking at what I'm looking at, and these guys are handling a gun. And he knew instantly, because I, I beat that into his head. He knew instantly that something was wrong because I stopped and he ran into mm-hmm. me and then he looked. And I th- he learned that day, you look down the firing line. <laughs> you, know, you see what people are doing. And I looked over, I go, you guys going to put that gun down? Oh, no, it's, co- it's okay. You can go down. No, no you're not going downrange until you put that gun down. Yeah, Jack. No. Yeah. Accidents so, happen. Hey. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I remember my, my dad beating my head that empty guns have killed more people, you know? Um, and I love the people that don't get, what do you mean empty guns killed more people? That doesn't even make sense. Um, okay, guns people thought were empty have killed more people. Killed more people. Yep. Yeah, okay. Now, I had to Barney it for you because you're an idiot because I actually saw that <laughs> in a comment section. But what does that mean? I'm like, is English not this idiot's first language? Yeah. I didn't understand. Well, it's, it's not English. It's common sense, right? Because well, we don't teach common sense anymore. <laughs> it's it's kind of jacked up because we, as gun owners, are used to people understanding our shorthand in the exactly. things we say because it's cultural. And if you've never been in any part of this culture, then you don't understand a lot of the things that cold, dead hands means absolutely nothing to you. But to us, we can still see Charlton Heston being the overdramatic actor he is, uh, saying from my cold, dead, you can have this gun from my cold, dead hands. And it's like, yeah, we have cultural things and we don't understand it. And then you throw it out on social media where it's written. And it also loses all that because it's in print. Yep. So it, it, it's really, and, and, and plus then you throw down the, us trying to be badasses in front of our gun friends online. And it's really a toxic combo sometimes trying to be introduced to the gun community online. So that's <laughs> also why I host what I host in person. Yeah. Because it, it is, because that's, that's the thing is, you know, earlier we talked about stereotypes. There's a, there's a stereotype from a certain political leaning. I don't want to even say party because, you know, there's certain political leanings. You know, that, that's what gun people are. And then yep. they'll see somebody being unsafe on social media with a gun. They go, see, that's every single one of them. Yep, that's every single one of them. It's, it's one person. And also... And, and we'll call them an a-hole, too, if they're doing that yeah. at the range with us. Oh, believe it. We call them out quicker than anybody else. But, of course, uh, the anti-gun person or, or whatever that makes a, fuck, uh, a stupid-ass generalization, well, we've dogpiled on them. They checked out that conversation a while ago. So they've never read, read the other 1,500 comments pooping on the idiot who made the mistake. But another thing that happens in the gun community that I found out is our worship of gun personalities and thinking that these people speak for more than the very small percentage of the firearms owners that they are. Now, I heard a number given that if you have taken any training with a firearm outside of what's required by your state, or, or, or whoever your governing body is or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, get your permit. Yep. 
or get your hunting license, you're in the 1% of gun owners that have actually had training outside of what was required. That's all. So when you go around quoting Clint Smith or you post a video of a Clint Smith being the grumpy old man he is, but dropping some wisdom, most gun owners don't know who that dude is. Yeah. So when you quote Colonel Jeff Cooper, they're like, yeah, didn't he play Chris Kyle in the movie? No, 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 no. That, that's Bradley Cooper, not, not Jeff yeah. Cooper. Totally different dude. And it's like, the people we look up to, I mean, actually look up to as, as founders or as, as sources of wisdom, nobody freaking knows. So stop. And your favorite trainer, whoever that may be, dude, people in the gun industry don't know who they are. Remember Larry Vickers and his issue at Ruger Booth? Yeah. At the Ruger Booth when they didn't recognize who Larry Vickers was and he was like kind of pissed. And it's like, well, why is Larry so, well, why would they know who Larry is? I'm like, because he designed the HK416. <laughs> because, I mean, he's, he's a gunsmith. Uh, he knows, and he, he knows his stuff. <laughs> he, he's built guns. I mean, he, he, he's a part of the industry, but I'm like, dude, with that background, let's not even talk about his time in Delta Force or anything else. Just the no. gun industry alone and the work he did with HK, people still don't know who he is in the gun industry. So just yeah. think about that when you're thinking about your favorite former SWAT cop, Navy SEAL, yeah. No, nah, dude, you, you look up to him. Most people don't know who the frick that dude is. So take a yeah. chill pill when you're drinking all their Kool-Aid and you're crapping on somebody like you or me who hasn't taken the wearing nods and rolling into the window <laughs> class with your short-barreled pistol with a suppressor on it and you only one knows how to do this. I'm like, nah, dude, you're just in such a niche area of the gun community. It's like, this big. So quit talking crap on the air. Or online, because it's only an echo chamber of you and your seven buddies with the challenge coin in your pocket. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and and that's the funny thing is I, I I like to say that one of the problems with our community is, is we will eat our own really quick, like that, like that. How does she not know Temple yeah. Index? How, how does he not know Temple Index is a real thing? Yeah. Well, yeah. Because he hasn't been to that class that you've been in or, or watched the podcast that you watched and know that it has certain uses, but it's not to be used all the time. <coughs> and he's never heard of yeah. it. Yeah. It's just, that's and that's, that's the thing that, that's the thing that kills me about, about people is that they'll just, they're instant experts because they know one thing. One thing. And the one less thing. they know, the more of an expert they are. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I've been shooting God, over 40 years now. You know, I started shooting when I was a kid. Yeah. This, the sad thing is, is, uh, you know, I, I learned how to shoot. We cleaned our guns, right? You shoot, you clean your guns. Awesome. It wasn't until I was over 21 that I went, you can field strip these things to clean them? 
right? I mean, because we would clean the gun. You you run the patch down the barrel, and we we would clean. I mean, we'd spend hours trying to get all the. I'm like, wait, the slide comes off. I mean, what? That's easier to clean this gun. I can do this a hell of a lot faster, right? You're always learning. That's funny. <laughs> That's that's just the way it is. I mean, that's, I mean, this is where you know, you know, I I was taught by my father, loved the guy to death, but you know, as I got to an adult, started learning about guns, I learned about how much I didn't learn, right? Um, and you know, he learned from his uncle, and this stuff got passed down. Um, and cleaning guns, yeah, I, I look at it now. Cleaning guns was. You know, they're talking about, they're used to cleaning bolt action guns where you just pull the bolt out and you got the whole, yeah, it's a straight run. Semi-automatics are not, that wasn't really their thing. Yep. So okay. you're limited, <clears throat> and that's another reason training is important. My granddad taught me to shoot. Again, your granddad came from a totally different era. <clears throat> and... uh U.S. military consumer of firearms, the, the dude that buys a gun because it's fun and he wants to pick one up. Well, that, that didn't start with us. That didn't start with a generation from us. They were doing that in the 1800s, too. So when you talk about you learn from your granddad, well, who the hell did he learn from? So their cleaning procedures were different. And then, of course, it's uh, I learned from my granddad, so I don't need to learn. You know, you can't teach me nothing. Well, it's yeah. great because your granddad learned how to clean a 1903 Springfield. And nobody in your family has actually been in any firearms training since then. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's the cleaning procedure. And, 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 and not the wives' tales, but the, the things that they learn that you can't trust a semi-auto and a semi-auto is always going to jam on you and a bolt action and a revolver are the best. Well, yeah, they were. Cause when your granddad was in the great war, <laughs> all right, 1911s were six years old. <laughs> they were six years old. Well, go, go into the baby boomer. Yeah. They were in Vietnam when the M16 came out. And, you know, this is before forward assists. And, I mean, they tested the gun out. Powders changed. They weren't tested in a wet environment. You go through the whole thing. It was a great gun. And then it got field tested <laughs> in real life. It got field tested and with the ignorance and thrown in that is the U.S. military and others dropping the ball and you got deployed. Did you Have you ever read how they got issued the guns? No, actually, I haven't. Okay. I, 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 my, before I joined the military, my mom wanted me educated on the military, and that was just opening another Pandora's box for me, so I read every book I could find. So anything written prior to 1988, I read that was print, done by the military. And one of the things, recon Marines, and they were talking about how they changed them over while in country in Vietnam from M14s to M16s. They lined them up before they went out on a patrol and made them turn their M14s in and gave them the M16 oh, and a quick familiarization of it. That's and then they went on patrol. And they didn't see a problem because word came down they had to change these over now because they waited too long. I'm like, 
what is wrong with you? How are you going to give me something and then march me outside the gate? So to say they had problems with it and then blame it on the gun, I'm like, I want to blame it on the procedures you morons set up. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. They they did a bunch of dumb stuff because guess what? The military is not on the cutting edge of technology and the military is not on the cutting edge of firearms training. Civilians, Civilians and competitive shooters are the ones, so all that crap that some of your gun guys say, oh, all that, ta- that, that, that competition stuff will get you killed in the streets. Hey, douche pickle, that red dot that's on the top of your rifle and the red dots on the top of your pistol came from competitive shooters. Yeah. Exactly. Not, not you guys. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I know the exact moment that I learned. I'll tell you, it, it was funny. It happened in New Jersey. Um, so, so I was living, I was living in Maryland, uh, and this is when I turned 21, bought that Glock and I was shooting GSSF. So I shot a GSSF match at Fort Dix. And yes, I was a Maryland resident who took a gun into New Jersey. (laughs) Um, and there's a whole other story about that, about, uh, being pulled over on the New Jersey turnpike because I had a Glock sticker on my car. Um, but anyways, uh, you know, I, I remember I was out there and I forget what, what stage it was, but I remember we're out there taping and, you know, I'm sitting there going, you know, he's, he's calling, he's calling the score. Someone's behind writing the score down and I'm taping, right? You know, he's pointing at tape and, you know, he's calling me, you know, 10, nine, eight, you know, he's calling out the scores and on the either side of me, I'm hearing, you know, like one, this you know they're, i'm like oh, okay well hey look it's it's amateur competition people are learning okay whatever and that's when i realized when we we're walking back that these guys had what to say insignia from the uh police force that they worked for yep okay so i remember talking to the guy back i'm like they're cops. I would expect them to shoot good. He goes, "Oh, they're they're cops from X Y Z force." He goes, "Basically, their their qualification is can they keep the bullet within a block within a city block?" And that's that's the moment that I learned that civilians are they outshoot because we take this stuff seriously. Um, we we go out, we train with the stuff, we learn how to do it. Uh, going forward, when I was in FFL, I had guardsmen buying Beretta, you know, 92s. Yep. I'm like, I thought you guys would be like so sick of 92s. And the guy goes, we get like 20 rounds a year to qualify. He goes, and we're getting ready to go on deployment in six months. He goes, so for me to become proficient with that firearm before I deploy, I got to go buy one and shoot it and shoot it a lot. Mm -hmm. Just that's how I have to get my proficiency with it. And I'm like, you know, you start going through things like, wow, this is civilians take this stuff seriously. <clears throat> because it, it, it's your hobby. It's your hobby or sport you participate in. So that's something you can concentrate on. As a law enforcement officer or as someone in the military, you have a regular job that has nothing to do with the gun except that's just a part of the job. Like, 
it's just another piece of equipment. So you don't put any priority on that piece of equipment <clears throat> until you need to use it. And then you go qualify with it. So yeah, it's not that. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to be really proficient with it when it comes time to use it. And it's like, you've trained me an hour a year on this thing. Or I did one qualification where I just had to hit paper at 25 for four rounds. What is that? Yeah. It's <clears throat> nothing realistic at all. Not at all. And I mean, like, <laughs> I still remember the first Kimber I shot, and I was really excited about it, right? I'm on the range, and again, this is at a time when I was shooting my high point at 100 yards without blinking, like, no problem. So a lot of trigger time on that pistol with a horrible plastic trigger and a, <laughs> and, and seven miles of take-up and everything else was yep. wrong with a high point. And the guy had a Kimber, and I was like, wow, I've never seen one. We were, we were at range 14 at Dick's, and uh, <clears throat> they didn't take down that 50-yard target. And uh, he was like, well, we got nothing to shoot at here. I was like, well, you got that target. He looked at me like, are you nuts? <laughs> I was like, no, I mean, I can hit. So I'm standing out, right, and I'm shooting his Kember at the, I think it was like an 8-inch target on, on the target. And I'm like just hitting it like fucker, fucker. It wasn't even great groups because again, I had never shot his gun before, so the break is new to me. Everything yep. is new, sight pictures new, and I'm just nailing it. And it's it's all over the eight inch target, but we're at fifty yards. And uh, that's a great. Shot. That's actually a great shot for a pistol. Put <laughs> back in the book. Oh man, this kind of sucks. But at least I hit the target, and he's looking at me like. <laughs> so, all right. So, the Glock 26. When the Glock 26 came out, again, I was living in Maryland at the time. My father and I went out and bought Glock 26s. And they weren't even on the Maryland roster yet. So, they were sitting at the FFL. They were going to get approved, right? So, they finally got approved. We waited our waiting period, blah, 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 blah. We take them to the range, and we can't hit the broad side of a barn with these guns, right? And we're shooting Glock 17s, no problem. Like, we can't figure it out. And um, one of the uh, one of the RS hosts, she comes over, and she's she's a she's an Ipsic shooter, like okay. big time Ipsic shooter. And she's like, "Hey, is that one of those new Glock 16s?" We're like, yeah, but we think the sights are kind of screwed up, and. Or, you know, we'll have to figure, you know, play with it. And she goes, hey, mind if I shoot? We're like, oh. She sits there and just drills the target. And we're like, there ain't nothing, there ain't nothing wrong with that gun. <laughs> yeah, we're sitting there scratching our heads like, oh, that's obviously a shooter problem. Yeah. I can't shoot the 365, P365. My hand is way too big for the gun. <clears throat> so it's like, it's like I wrap my, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Okay, how yep. do I shoot this? And I have nowhere for this hand to go. And I'm like, okay, now you scoot it back. And I'm like, dude, this is horrific. So I'm at a diversity shoot. And I'm going from port to port and talking to people. Well, Alexander Rubian is the president of the New Jersey Second Amendment Foundation. Also a friend of mine. He just popped by the event to say hello. Didn't even drop out to speak. Uh, he knew uh, another friend of mine who was there, who was volunteering as an instructor. So it's near the end. Everybody shot a gun. So these two knuckleheads are down at the bay, <clears throat> and they're on port. 
and they decide to have an impromptu shooting competition on who's going to buy dinner. Well, of course, I get dr- I'm not aware of this because I'm in a port with someone teaching them how to shoot. Well, I get drafted in as the third member of this bet. So I'm doing my da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So they shot against each other. Who shoots the smallest groups? Alexander comes over. Hey, Tony, uh, you almost done there? I was like, yeah, he's just going to shoot this magazine. All right, we need you over here. I come over. They were like, yeah, shooting competition. Losers, whoever shoots the largest group buys dinner for the two of us. And they give me this little freaking Ed <clears throat> Wilson combat frame. I think P365 XL. Again, to me, it's the size of this flash. I'm trying to get my hand on the grip. Man, my group had to be this big. I'm like, and I'm trying to get the trigger break and like all of my fingers yeah. in the trigger well. I mean, I'm like, what the frick? And I'm shooting, and everybody in the class is now behind us watching this shooting competition. <laughs> so, of course, you, you know, got, I didn't you got set up for failure. <laughs> I got introduced as a firearms instructor. Now I'm shooting this gun. Of course, both of them have regular sized human hands. And I'm like, son of a gun, I cannot do this. And I was like, I guess I'm buying dinner. And of course, Alexander loves, I bust his chops all the time. So he's enjoying in front of an audience busting mine. And uh, I got my Glock 19 there in the case because we were done. <clears throat> you know, like, and he goes, yeah, I'm sure you can shoot your gun better. I went, yeah. And I looked at him <laughs> and I just flipped the bag open because we were just in the other lane, slapped in a mag, punched out, and rapid fired a one-hole group in the center of the bullseye. I was like, yeah, shoot it much better. It fits my hand. Knocked it back and zipped it up. And he, he was like, he's like, I've never been shut up before. And that shut me up. <laughs> I'm like, the gun fits my hand, dude. I can't. I mean, even the Glock, you, you shot the 26, right? Did your pinky finger hang off of it? Oh, totally. Yeah, it just, it just hangs. You, there, there's nothing. That's, it's not grabbing onto anything. That's how a Glock 19 is for me. My pinky finger hangs off the bottom of a Glock 19. So I bought Magpul mags that have a bigger uh, base plate. So at least part of my pinky finger is touching the base plate. So that's how big my hands are. So even a Glock 19 is too small. It fits me like somebody with a 26. So I'm like, bro, if your gun doesn't fit your hand, you're going to have a hard time shooting it wild. I mean, you can shoot it well, but it's going to take more effort. Yeah. Because I, 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 go ahead. I used to tell customers that, you know, it doesn't matter what you want as a gun. You don't pick the gun, the gun picks you. It really does. And I was explaining that to a customer, and they go, I don't get it. I go, and I, and I pulled out a couple of guns. I go, you want this one? Yes. All right. Put it in your hand. Uh, I dropped a little laser cartridge in it for them to, to dry fire so that way they could see their shots and stuff like that. I'm like, okay. I go, now try that gun. Like, wow, this fits my hand better. Dropped the laser in it. They shot it better. I go, that's what I mean about the gun picks you. You can want whatever you want, but the gun that you're going to be naturally more proficient with is the one that fits your hand correctly. 
Um, you can you know, learn I, to shoot it. You can learn to shoot it, but some you will be lights out with it. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I used to compete with Glocks. Uh, I compete with Sigs now. My problem with the Glock is I've been, you know, I, I've been banging away on keyboards for computers since I was in the third grade, you know, 1980s when I started banging away on keyboards. As a, there was no ergonomics back then. Now, you know, I'm 50 now. Carpal tunnel is a thing. You know, it's, it's, it's not here, but it's coming. You know, my hands are weaker than they used to be. Um, you know, I have a harder time. I can run the crap out of a Glock because that's what was my competition. I had to switch to SIG because of the ergonomics. A SIG just fits my hand better. <laughs> I, can, I can still run a Glock. Like I, I mean, I can I can drive that I can drive tax with those damn things because um, at that point it's muscle memory. But my hands start, you know, uh, I have to conform to the ergonomics of a Glock. A Sig is more of the ergonomics for me. Is Sig the greatest gun in the world? We could argue. Everybody could argue that. Although I don't care. It's what you can shoot proficiently. That's all yep. I care about. That's all I care about. So, yeah, it, it's 100% true. My first purchase, <laughs> when I got out of the car, I'm like, all right, I want to purchase a handgun. <clears throat> so I walk. I still remember it, dude. Southern Gun World, Malothian Turnpike, Richmond, Virginia. They allowed you to rent a gun. They allowed you to shoot any gun at rental prices. And if you shot one of their guns out of the case, like the new case, they knocked the price of a rental off the gun, too. Okay. So I'm like, all right, this is what I want. I want a gun for carry. I want a gun for bedside. I want a handgun. Okay. Uh, what are you looking at? I was like, maybe I'll pick four of them. And I'll pay buy the box of ammo, and I'll go into the range. So I forgot what SIG it is. It was the 380 SIG that looked like the Walter PPK. I think it's like the 230. P yeah. P230 or something. It, it, and it was really cool looking, but I really didn't like it. It was too small. I got hammered by it. It was horrible. Yeah. I was like, all right, yeah, get rid of this thing. I don't care what you do with the ammo. Get this fucking gun away from me. <laughs> uh, then I got the, uh, I was like, well, I just got out of the military. Give me that uh, 92, even though we were never issued it while I was in because I was in earlier. Uh, no matter what Wikipedia tells you, in 1980s, everybody didn't get a Beretta 92. Yeah. I left in the damn near the mid-90s, and we still had 1911s. So I get the Beretta 92, and I pull that trigger for the first time on a Beretta 92. And I started pulling the, the trigger at 2 o'clock, and the gun went off around 4.15, 5 o'clock. <laughs> it's just a long trigger pull, dude, and I was not used to that first initial trigger pull and then the second trigger pull is much shorter i'm like what the hell was that yeah. <laughs> it's like this kind of sucks is this kind of schizophrenic firearm what is this garbage <laughs> and then i did the 226 which was a little better than a beretta because i'm like rating them right as not a gun guy yep. at all i mean as a guy who's read gun magazines and stuff like that and i shoot the m16 in boot camp and shoot the m16 to qualify but not handgun and I'm like, dude, I hate all of this garbage. And they were like, well, why don't you try this new new one? It's a Glock 17. 
the grip ain't on the Glock. I'm like, how do I get it to point down? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do you get it to point down? Why is it pointing up? <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't get a Glock 17. I'm like, this is, what the hell is wrong with this thing? <clears throat> and uh, I was like, give me the 1911. And I got the 1911. I was like, pow, pow. Yep. All right. This is the one I'm buying. This one, but it's hilarious that like I was, I'm like, man, if I could go back then, I'd have bought that dang two two six because it said West Germany on it. Oh <laughs> yeah, that two two six said West Germany on the side, and I really wanted worth, to get that. Be um, worth a little bit of money right now too. It, yeah, and I'd also buy that Gen One Glock seventeen. Um, and <laughs> 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 I was like. Yeah. And I definitely get my forty-five because that was actually, I think, a, a World War Two one. Maybe um, I'm not sure if it was or not. And, and then I'd get the others, whatever it was. But they could still keep that three eighty. <laughs> well, it was hilarious, dude. I picked up the Glock and I was like, "How come it doesn't point straight?" Oh, and that's, that was crazy. and that's the thing. So for me, I was coming from a, a Smith and Wesson Model Fifty Nine. Um. So to me, you know, going into Glock, this was modern weaponry. I mean, the 59's, you know, still a modern gun. Has a little bit of calls back to the 1911, but, you know, not really. Not really. I started running that Glock. Um, it took me a while to gain proficiency with it. You're, you're absolutely right. You That that angle's wrong. And, and, and for you coming from a 1911, I mean, 1911's just point. For some reason, 1911s just point. That, I mean, the, the bullet just goes right there. You know, the, yeah, the you sight alignment just works. Yeah. Um, you have to screw that up. Yeah, that was perfect. Yeah. Angle, perfect everything. I mean, Browning was a, I mean, he was a genius with that gun. I mean, it's still around. There's only been, what, five major changes to that gun since the original design over 100 years. Um, and that's mostly with the safeties inside. <laughs> it's not even the grip angle still the same. Um, it, it's not as if you took a modern 1911 with every bell and whistle you can think of and dropped it off with a doughboy who was trained on it. He'd go, Oh my goodness, what is this? He'd be like, yeah. Why's it got a safety on each side? That, uh, yeah. Outside of that, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it'd be the same <clears throat> thing. What, why is it? What's this? Why is the why is the hammer like kind of round with a hole in it? You know, why is it just not like a duck bill? You know? no, no, how's this one? Why are there holes in the slide? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> you know how much dirt can get in? <laughs> oh god! Yeah, exactly. How come it doesn't rattle? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this one's broken. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that's that's it, it's just so funny how guns. That, that's why I like to say guns pick the shooter. Um, listen, when you go to handle guns to to learn what you want, listen to what the gun is saying to you. I mean, I, and I realize, especially a first time gun owner, you're buying your first gun. There's a lot of crap going on around you. If you're going to be at a gun counter. If you go to a big box store, it's going to be noisy. They're going to be people are going to be busy. You're not going to get time with the guy behind the counter. He's looking for a sale to make his commission and moving on. 
but definitely listen to the gun. How how does it feel? I mean, how I hate to say it, get in touch with your feelings. <laughs> you know, when you're holding this thing. One of the advantages for a diversity shoot for a shooter. All right, let's say you're a lady and you've decided that you need to get a firearm, but you've never even shot one before, but you know you're going to need this defense. Man, tell me the diversity shoot isn't for you. You got five instructors. They probably have two, three, even four handguns each yep. uh, when you go through. So, um, and I'm just pulling this from memory. Nick, Nick and his port will have a Beretta 92 and 22 caliber. He has one 22 rimfire. Uh, Nick also has a uh, 1911, a Max Michelle uh, 1911 and, and 40 cal. And Nick will probably have a Browning high power. All right, that's just a Nick's port. Fat, crazy son of a gun he is, will have an alien Largo, our Largo alien. He will have the SIG P320 AGX or AXG. I forget which, which order metal, to put there. Yeah, the metal frame. The yeah. metal frame one. And he'll have the P365 Spectre and the P320 Spectre all in his port. We'll get to Angelo. What did Angelo have last time? I don't even know what Ange had, but Ange has been known to have like a six inch 44 Magnum because. And uh, he has he has uh, forty four specials loaded in it to introduce people to handguns. Uh, he'll have two or three AR pistols, or excuse me, AR any other weapon, yada yada, blah blah, yeah. whatever. <clears throat> and uh, I'm like, that's what you'll go to and be able to shoot in just three ports. And I'll have uh, I'll have my Glock nineteen, which is Gen two Glock nineteen, uh, and uh, I'll also maybe have a CZ seventy five, and I'll have a SR twenty two. From Ruger, I so say, it's funny. I have I have one of those. They're great little guns. Yeah, I picked up one with a four and a half inch barrel because I wanted to be different. And uh, they're they're fun guns to introduce everybody to, including kids, to firearms. But I'm like, if you come to my event, you got to shoot all of these guns for a twenty dollar ticket to the diversity shoot, and pizza and sodas, and you probably won a prize. <laughs> Yeah, you, you come to every, events like that. Uh, ladies, you can go to, yeah, you can go to Girl in the Gun. There are different events you can hold at a range instead of just going to the gun store and maybe dry firing a gun. Get to the range, uh, talk to people, make friendships, even go to things like diversity shoot, open range days, uh, Girl in the Gun shoots. Uh, there are different things you can. There are different ways you can be introduced to the community and get your first time with a handgun and then you know people or a rifle or whatever. But but you have to get out there and meet people. And that's, and I'm going to keep bringing it back to what I do, because if you don't know somebody, it takes an event to break that ice. Yeah. And and some of the first people to come to my events are the bravest people in the social circle. And, and that's what, I guess, us gun people kind of, we know, but we don't understand the trepidation a lot of people have of entering a gun range when you don't know anybody for the first time. You know no one. And it's like, so it's very important the things that I host and others host at a range that welcomes people from the outside in. 
because that takes a lot of balls to go to a thing that you pretty much are afraid of. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you got to be pretty goddamn stupid, short-sighted and show up in a place <laughs> and go, hmm, cowboy action shooting sounds cowboy like fun. Action shoot- wait, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> what did I just do? I'm like, the best I can hope for is this goes down like blazing saddles. <laughs> <laughs> and I get out of there with, do what he say, do what he say. <laughs> and get in my car and get out of here. <laughs> I love how old you got to be to get that joke. And uh, most yeah. anybody can <laughs> get it. No, they don't. If well, you're under 40, you don't know what that was. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you, I know it's getting late, man. It's it's almost 11 o'clock at night your yep. time. Yeah, uh, we'll start wrapping up so you can like actually get some sleep. Um, <laughs> how can how can people find you? How can people all right, you find, can find diversity me on shoots and all that stuff? Diversityshoot.com. You can find me there. If you want to email me, it's Tony at diversityshoot.com. Uh, if you want to reach me through my social media, it's Simon Says Train on both Instagram and Facebook. And the second is for everyone on Facebook. If you want to get a hold of me on Twitter, I don't know why. Second for everyone, it is a cesspool there, but I do post my events there. And um, I, I started posting my thoughts on Second Amendment stuff. Uh, in the little like blurb that you get to put out on yeah. Twitter, but and I also usually attack Second Amendment groups and drag this stuff into my page too, just to go off on them. I, I think I call one lady a, a a sex a misogynist and a racist today. She runs some Second Amendment, uh, excuse me, gun control group out of like Connecticut or something, and she made some blatantly stupid state. Oh, if you if you don't want to ban assault weapons you are pro killing of children with assault weapons in schools and i'm like no if you want to deny women and minorities the ability to defend themselves is the most effective and efficient tool you're a racist and a misogynist and i was like see mine has historical precedence you're just a (laughs) shill for a billionaire (laughs) literally um Dude, that was that was what I posted That's today, um, but it's it's if you want to help us out, we really appreciate it. I actually was talking to somebody today. I got a couple giveaway items that I want to figure out how to raise because we need money to go to a shot show. So I have a SB tactical brace. I got the A3 brace. We want to give away. I have some more giveaway items, and I'm trying to, or raffle. However the heck you have to word this so you don't get thrown in jail. <laughs> so I'm going to be setting something up and making a big announcement and try to push it out over the weekend um, and let you guys know how uh, you can donate and get in on this giveaway. Like I got a couple custom knives. I got a Kershaw knife, or Emerson knife from Kershaw. So that kind of stuff I want to be able to give away because I bought it for that purpose, but it has to be used for fundraising. <laughs> and until I get the 501c3, this is what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to be that e-beggar that people want to complain about, but I'm, I'm doing the work and I have been for seven years. So anyway, that's how to get in contact with me. I really appreciate you having me on the show, dude, and let me do my elevator speech and chew your ear off yeah. for 90 minutes. Absolutely. And, and for everybody watching or if you're on the audio side listening, 
Uh, I will have all the links down in the description. So if you're driving, do not start writing stuff down. You can always go back <laughs> and just look in there and get the link to go talk to Tony. Definitely, definitely go check out all of Tony's stuff. Uh, you know, Tony, I've known you for a couple of years now. I haven't known you very long, but we finally met face to face at shot this year, which is so funny because uh, everybody, the way, the way that it works with Tony, I like to say it's kind of like an episode of Cheers. Tony comes walking in, and it's Norm. And I mean, it, it, when I'm sitting in the media room, and I'm talking to you know, a bunch of other content creators that I know, and Tony comes in, the energy of the room actually goes up. <laughs> it really does. Uh, and, and if you get a chance to go to one of his shoots, if you're out there, don't hesitate. You're, you're going to love Tony just like everybody else does, man. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing to hate about Tony. He's a great guy. Now We try to make this fun, dude. We, we try to reach out. <clears throat> I was talking to Maj Torre. I don't know if you guys know Black Guns Matter, but Maj, Maj is a friend of mine. Maj has helped me out a lot. Maj does a lot of stuff for me. But somebody went, well, Tony's really nice, and Tony's too nice, and Tony doesn't tell people off like like you do, Maj. You know, you, you get in their faces. <laughs> Maj went, it's just Tony's a nice guy. I'm not a nice guy. <laughs> he goes, I'm not a nice <laughs> But Tony, he's a nice guy. I was like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I, I look at it this way, man. When you're in someone's face and you challenge them, that might be good for them and that might be good for you. And there might be a piece of your audience that digs that. But I look at it as the undecideds in the room just see you, the gun owner, being a jackass. And it this might not. not this is not boot camp, right? This yeah. is not boot camp. So. There's different ways to handle it. I'm not even saying what Maj is doing is wrong at all. I'm saying there's different ways to handle it. It just rings with a certain person, right? Yeah, and it works with them. If you're a pro-gun dude and you see Maj eviscerate a dude and then tell him, shut up, bitch. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, go for it. I, I try to stick to the nice guy thing only because... You need both sides of it. You need the carrot and the stick. I think for black civil rights to have worked, you needed Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. You needed them both. Because both of them were effective, both of them were dedicated, both of them were passionate, and both of them were right about equality. They just took different routes. Yes. Absolutely. Not to compare myself to those civil rights leaders, but it's still the same civil rights battle. It it, it is. It totally is, and that's the that's the sad thing about that. Um, you know, I like to say, you know, these are your rights. The ones that you choose to exercise is up to you. The one that I choose to exercise the most is the Second Amendment, and I think everybody has the right to it. And it's so it's so funny when I get people like. Well, I don't have a gun. I don't care. That's up okay. to you. That's up to you. If you want to exercise that right, that's great. If you don't, okay. Yeah. You know, I, I don't care. You know, people get all defensive. Well, he's a gun person. I don't care. If, okay. if you want to come over and learn this stuff, I'll teach you. I'll get you in touch with the people to teach you. 
awesome. If you don't want to, I'm good with that too. Can we talk about something real quick? Absolutely, Tony. A gun community thing that's topical right now. Tulsi Gabbard. Yes. All right. Last weekend, she posted a video of her at the Tactical Games. Running and gunning with standard capacity or even higher capacity ARs and handguns. With a little beat to it because she used the reel <clears throat> from IG or whatever. Real yep. stylized. And she put that out. Many in the gun community just ran over and hugged her like it was Build-A-Bear. And that was their favorite whatever. And, and they were like, look, she's turned a leaf. And she's pro 2A now. And I'm like, oh, did she say that. anything? Now, <clears throat> a friend of mine, uh, I want to give her credit because that's where I saw it. Ursula Williams, who's a competitor shootout in Arizona. Ursula's awesome people. Um, Love her to death. Met her at NRA a few years ago, and we've been we've been like tight since. Um, she put a post of Tulsi Gabbard and her tweet tweet talking about now is not the time. Uh, we need to pass gun control now. And I co I co sponsored, uh, you know, legislation for gun control and red flag laws. It's time we pass this. That's from Tulsi Gabbard. She's well-spoken. You know her position on the gun control. You know she co-sponsored legislation. All of a sudden, you see her shooting a gun that she wants to ban, and all of a sudden, you feel she got religion. She's a politician practicing what, she, what politicians do. It's good for me and not for thee. Until she comes out and says, not only says she's changed her position, but works to reverse some of the crap she co-sponsored. I'm not giving her the benefit of any doubt, and I don't know why you would as a firearms owner if they've never proven their work. I don't. <clears throat> I think we're so desperate for wins and so desperate for I told you so's that we'll grasp at straws that aren't there. You're giving a woman credit for doing something she didn't do. So far... All she proves, even though she did say she left the Democratic Party and whatever, but all she's proved to me, all she she's still anti-gun. I don't give a damn what party she's in. Um, she's still a hypocrite. So look, believe what you want. And again, I'm going to five hundred C three, and I'm not telling you who to vote for, but I'm telling you what to look at and what to notice. Don't allow your hope for someone to change to cloud your vision of what they're really doing. And that goes for all the vet bros out there too that are anti-2A, like Dan Crenshaw, like Tim Kennedy, like some dude that won't shut up about him killing Bin Laden. I forgot what his name is, but he's another Navy SEAL that doesn't think the civilians need plate carriers. And if they do, they're playing dress up. Well, that's their choice. Are you talking that's about the redhead? Yeah, some redheaded dude. So, I don't know what so so funny, funny thing about him, he grew up in Butte, Montana, which is an uh, hour and a half south from me. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it's not, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought this thing up because I'm very, trust me, I am very hard on politicians. Um, uh, you know, I, I get it. I would get into arguments about politicians. I remember, um, you know, when Obama won election, I was arguing with someone. 
And he goes, well, you're just mad your guy didn't win. And, you know, we were obviously polar opposites on the, on the political spectrum. I go, no, I'm not mad that my guy didn't win. I'm mad that you think a politician is going to make a change. That's what I'm mad about. The second, you know, even if your guy wins or girl wins, whoever you are voting for wins, the second that they win, you can't trust them anymore. You need to look at their actions, <laughs> what they say, and what they do. And then you need to hold them accountable to that. 100%, man. And and the way you do that is pay attention. The way you do that is writing them, calling them, letting them know I got my eye on you. We've taken our eye off the ball as citizens. Now, I was told when I get my 501c3, I can't endorse candidates. I'm not endorsing candidates. I'm endorsing policy. I'm endorsing responsibility. I don't give a dang. My hope, my 100%, let's say pipe dream, right? Like, Tony, what do you really wish happens with the diversity shoot? I wish the diversity shoot and the attitude of the diversity shoot reaches across all levels in every state and makes people understand that the Second Amendment should be apolitical. No political party should be pushing gun control because this is a civil right, and anybody that does, it becomes political suicide. That's my hope, that this works out, that you realize politicians on both sides have played you to think that Second Amendment is supposed to be a political thing. It is not. None of your civil rights should be politicized. You should have the right for free speech. I don't have to like what you say, but you have the right to say it. The government should not be able to shut you up, but you also don't have the... <clears throat> you're not free of consequences because you said some jacked up shit, but uh, you have the right to say it. You should be able to own anything the U.S. military friggin' owns, dude. Matter of fact, you should be able to own better. Do you think I should own a tank? If you can put gas in that sound gun, you can go ahead, bro. <laughs> You go ahead you know and own it. <clears throat> so it's it's funny. Um, so I grew. I went to high school in Delaware. John Dupont had an M1 Abrams. Used to ride it all over his property. He had he had the money. Obviously, he had the contacts, right? Um, so do hey. you think? And they were like, "Well, what if people commit crime? What you think he's going to rob a liquor store? You think the multi-billionaire yeah. going to rob a liquor store with his hand?" I mean. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's he it, it it's not like I can go collect pennies to, to go buy them one Abrams. He had the money. He had exactly. the means. He did it. He had the property to go ride it on. So it's like yeah. um, no one's holding you back. Uh, the that you've been told lies. You've been worked since prior to nineteen thirty six. Uh, pretty much you can probably go back to when they passed the Sullivan Law in New York City uh, when they took uh, guns out of the hands of, what was it? Who who were they aiming at then? Was it Irishmen or was it Italians they were trying to do something? I, th I thought it was Irish, but it could okay. be Italians. I, I... It, it, trust, it was based on control and racism just like it is today. It was just a group of people were some sort of white people, whether it was Italians or Irish. But understand, this is American. Everybody's been at the bottom of that totem pole at one time or another. Um, and you don't know who's the next one that's going to be at the bottom of that totem pole. And that's why you need the Second Amendment for everyone.
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Tony, the one thing I like to do to wrap things up, just to do, uh, to be kind of a little light, you know, a little light on the you feet. You mean I took all that to segue to even incorporate the name of my organization into it? Now that's not going to be the last word. I tried to, like, be quick with that. All right, fine, whatever. However you want to no. end your show. No, it's it's great words, man. I, I absolutely love it. <laughs> um, but I just kind of I just kind of like to play a little game at the end. Okay. Okay. It's just it's just a speed round. It's going to be five questions. Uh, okay. And it's going to be, and of course, you know, it is now after eleven o'clock Eastern time on you. So you're you're going to be really sharp because you you've worked all day. Yeah, so I only, I only wake up at five o'clock, so we, we good. Yeah, so uh, it's just a simple decision. And I'm going to give you this or that choice. So, Tony, I'm going to give you two cases of ammo. I'm going to say, hey, Tony, come to my place. There's two cases of ammo sitting on my workbench. One case of it is 45 ACP, and the other one is 9 millimeter. You can have both, but which case are you going to pick up first? Oh, I'm picking up the nine first. There you go. In case you change your mind, I got a case of nine. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're going to go to the range just for yourself. You're just going to go to the range and chill out. Do you take a 22 or a nine millimeter with you? 22. I love the way you think, man. <laughs> 22s are just such fun guns to chill out with. Now, an AR, an AR, do you get it as a pistol caliber carbine in 9mm or 223? 223. Then I have both, but 223. <laughs> so when you go to a gun store, do you look at the used guns first or the new guns first? Used. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I I'm do tactically, too. I'm tactically thrifty. <laughs> there you go. I'm, uh, I'm totally going to steal that. For you. you, that needs to be one of your patches now. Oh, That's got to be right, like tactical thrifty. Right, you gonna have to do that right next to Planet Lovetron. <laughs> I've been using <laughs> it for years, dude. I've been using tactically thrifty for years. So yeah, maybe I will. Then you, you need a patch for that. All right, and the last question. What's the one thing a new shooter should walk away with from their first range day? First range day, what a new shooter should walk away with. This is what I'd like to know walk away with. Understanding firearm safety. If nothing else, if they don't ever come back, anything... Firearm safety, I think, is number one. Even if they find a gun on the street, at least they know, pick it up, finger off the trigger, point in a safe direction, turn it in, take it home, make it disappear. If they accidentally get a crate of AR-15s when they order something. <laughs> well, crate, you, mean, you mean crate of M-16s? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was definitely a <laughs> full, crate of full M16s? M-16s. Yeah. What? What is it? I, I love what well, Coleon Noir said. Why is what this is shit it? never happened to me? Dude, <laughs> I would be like, I'd open up a crate of M16s and I'd scream like a little girl, like, ah! 
And then I like immediately, it's a setup. The ATF is on the way. Grab the dog. <laughs> Grab the dog. <laughs> They're gonna try to kill us all. <laughs> I immediately think it was a setup. Oh, that that story. For those of you who don't know, um, some people bought. They were buying military surplus cases, just plastic cases, and they were selling them on the market. And they opened it up, and there were fully automatic M16s in there that the government had forgot about <laughs> and and sold them as an empty case. Um, can you imagine the gold brick that they laid when they opened that case up? Yeah. I mean, wow. Like, yeah. Uh, now again, gun guy would open that case up and I'd freak out. Well, Tony, what would you do? I'd probably immediately turn that stuff in because screw you, bro. Uh, now, the reason I say it is my very first diversity shoot in 2015, February 2015. <clears throat> I don't been on Facebook this long. I had 25 friends. I didn't know what I was going to call this thing. So I called it the African-American Day Shoot because it was in February of 2015. It was in February, African American History Month. Yep. So I think I called it the African American shoot or African American diversity shoot. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't 2A4E yet. We hadn't made that up. Four people came. It was me, my partner, a guy he knew from work, and that guy convinced three friends to come. So four people showed up. 26 people said they were coming on my Facebook page. Guess what I learned? People lie on Facebook. Um, imagine that. <laughs> imagine that. I didn't know it at the time. I was new. Well, all of a sudden, about an hour and a half in, another guy shows up. Black guy, well dressed, looked to be middle aged. Hey, hey, I'm here for the uh, African American Day shoot. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, my name's Tony. This is my partner, Sean. We're here discussing fire. How'd you get invited? Because I'd like to know. Oh, uh, Robert. Robert who? Oh, those are from the front. I'm like, bro, everybody on my Facebook page is a friend of mine is actually someone I physically know in the real world. Yeah. Oh, I'm so-and-so with the State Police Firearms Division. What, do you think, he was, do you think he was like breaking up the next Black Panthers? Or my very that? first event, State Police showed up trying to be undercover. And I went into what we did, why we were doing it, and I was like, I'm glad you're here because these guys would have some questions for you. And he answered questions and was really cool. Awesome. And at the time, he had a STI 1911. I took it out, and between us, we shot every round of 45 that sucker had. That's what you get. That's what you get for lying to come in here. <laughs> he shot all of his ammo. But, uh, so, yeah, if I got a crate of M16s, I'm like, oh, and we've so far that I know of had at least three other law enforcement officers in our classes. Two of them we called out. So, yes, I'm being watched. I'm tr it's funny. I'm trying to remember. Um, I don't remember the exact subject, but I remember a story that 
was that the FBI was watching an individual. And he was either IPSC or USPSA shooter, you know, amateur shooter. And they got nervous because they're like, they're, they were planning a raid on his house and like, well, crap, he's proficient with a gun, like really proficient with a gun. And they showed up to the shoot and they started shooting the shoot and they started realizing, like we talked about earlier, civilians are damn good with their guns. <laughs> they realized they were outgunned. Yep. And guess what? They should be. Yes. They should be. They are public servants. It's I would I'm not saying you should intimidate police or you should want to kill police. None of that, dude. What I'm saying is you shouldn't be looked at meat on as meat on the table for anybody who's an authority figure or who wants to flex on you because people abuse their power all the time. You can't tell me police are Police are human beings, and they can make mistakes, but I'd also say police are human beings, and they can also be egomaniacs that abuse their power. Both are true. Yes. And when, when they hold sway over your life because they have a gun and a badge, you do need an equalizer, and your founding fathers knew that. That's why you have this right. Whether you exercise it or not is up to you, but there are bad cops out there. And there are people that think the government should be the only one with ability to uh, uh, extend violence. And that's not true. No. Oh, you should I mean, be able to defend yourself. You should be able to defend yourself against dirty cops. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, we talked earlier about history. History shows that if you disarm a public, you know, you disarm your citizens, Bad things happen. I mean, what's the what's the the meme that goes around? Uh, the reason why you know was it the the reason why the the government would take your guns away from you is because they're going to do something to you that you would shoot them for. Yep. Oh, and I love the Europeans and in, in the chats and the comments section. We don't have guns here in yada yada, and we don't need to. I'm like, because you pieces of shit did your dirt before guns were invented. Yeah, you subjugated your people when there was nothing but black powder, and you already had them disarmed because you—they were serfs. You disarmed them long ago, and you'd had that culture already of civilian disarmament, and then being victims because they belonged to your king and queen. So they were already conditioned to bow to the government. We had a totally different upbringing here. Yes. Um, yeah. Your, your your history started a lot. Earlier, you know, the histories of your country started a lot earlier than these. You, the histories of those countries in Europe, they weren't even allowed to own a sword. Yeah. A sword. So it went way back with them being subjects for generation after generation. This is America. Think about this. They had people that fought in a civil war that were still alive when jet planes were flying. Yeah. Civil war veterans saw jet planes fly. Our country is young as hell. Yeah. That's a, and that's a huge jump in technology. <laughs> yeah. Huge from, jump in technology. From, from maybe a hot air balloon that allowed you with a freaking uh, 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 telescope so, to yeah, see what was happening. Glass. 
Yeah, a spyglass to see what was happening over the next hill to Jets. So America is really, really young. And if you want it to be older, you're going to need all of these amendments, as you can see them trying to disarm you now, trying to trick you now. Now, <clears throat> you can say what you want, but we can all agree with this. The shutdowns from COVID didn't help the U.S. economy or the U.S. job market. And we can also say it wasn't as deadly as they said it was. And all across the board, they admitted that they exaggerated it now. Not getting any more political than that. If they exaggerated that and they affected the economy at that, what else can they do? Now, people were at each other's throats. People were willing to turn in friends and neighbors. People were willing to do all kinds of horrible things because they allowed you. They, they, they made us divisive. That's how horrible things happen, especially if you're disarmed. So if they brought vans around and they were like, if you're not vaccinated. And that's not even say it's COVID. Let's say it's the next thing and it's actually dropping people like the Black Plague. And if you're not vaccinated, they pick you up and take you away. That could happen. All I'm saying is you never know. Actually, we do know. We can look at history around the world. Americans are arrogant to the point that they think the horrible things that happen in other countries can't happen here. Yeah. The genocides that happen throughout Africa. The Khmer Rouge. The, the communists wiping out people, the communists locking up, uh, the Chinese communists locking up Chinese Muslims. All that stuff can happen in this country. We're no different. Stop believing it. Horrible, horrible things can happen, and they do when you're disarmed and have no ability to resist. That's why you should fight for all of your rights, even if you don't own a gun. Because you don't, if you didn't know where you, if you were buying coffee filters because you didn't know where to get toilet paper in 2020, admit to yourself you don't know what the future will friggin' hold. Absolutely. Because, I mean, if you think about it, <clears throat> I think the one of the problems I have is that we're pretty short. Our memory span is pretty short, right? We forget really fast. In 10 years, 2020 and 2021 is going to be a blip. People do not realize how close to chaos we are at any given time. Any given time. It doesn't matter what the subject is. Something could happen. Disrupt food supply. People get, <laughs> people do weird stuff when there's no food, right? Nice of these um, go out the window. Social norms get ditched immediately. Yes. I mean, there's not, when you go to a store, there's a back room, but it's about this big. There's not like aisles of crap just sitting back there. It's on the shelves. Yep. Not anymore. It's not set up like that. So <clears throat> the thing is, and, and, and this is getting into some other stuff, empowerment. Second Amendment leads to empowerment. It really does. One of the things that the diversity shoot does is introduce you to a firearm. But like you said, it's a gateway drug. It opens up a thought process. A thought process that goes, 
all right, I have a fire. I've seen these guys shoot. I'm thinking I might need one because, yeah, they were right. The mostly peaceful summer of protest or whatever they wanted to call it was dangerous. It came to a lot of cities across America, even if it didn't get a lot of news coverage. It came to a lot of cities. Bad things could happen. And you can be like that St. Louis couple that just found a protest in their front yard. Like they never mentally prepared for that could happen to them. And, and it showed. I think they made a bunch of bad decisions, but that's what happens when you own a gun, but you've never thought about using the gun in any way to protect yourself or your family. And now you're barefooted on the porch with a pink shirt on. Um, and your wife has a broken gun in her hands. Like, that's just a whole bunch of bad decisions. And I don't want that to be me. So you should look at that. But what is a process is you go from owning a gun, shooting a gun, to owning a gun, to realize you're your own self-protector, to realize, and well, you also have to be in charge of feeding your family and your security. Um, maybe I should be able to grow some food. Maybe I should have uh, a generator. Maybe I should have some extra food in the pantry, at least three months worth, because, you know, that's what FEMA and the Red Cross has on their website. If yeah, you they, ever the go and look. told you to do that. That's yeah. that's the thing that kills me. The government tell and, and don't get me wrong, I don't like the way the government tells you any it tells you to do anything, but the government tells you you should have a certain level of preparedness. The government um, tells you three months and then they don't encourage you at all to do it. No, no. They Think just drop it. it. Here it is. Yeah. yeah. Here. And I'm like, so I think a gateway drug to empowerment and self-sufficiency is also the firearm. We need to come from every direction. We need to explain it to people like it is a source of empowerment. What do you know how to do? What skill set can you bring to the table outside of your regular job? Can you teach, motivate, build, do anything? Do you have any soft skills at all? Why not? And you will meet people from all of these. I have a group of ladies from New York City that are some of the most empowered women doing everything from yoga to self-defense to growing their own food at indoor gardens and on rooftops. And how did I meet this? Second Amendment, the second is for everyone, diversity shoot. They come in, Black, Hispanic, uh, the, every form of Latino you want to call it, and they have so much entity and they pull other people in. And it's amazing because it's a Second Amendment but it's more than what just pew pew. Yeah. That's the thing is our rights are open to all. Not open yep. to some. Our rights are open to all. All right, man. Let me get off this phone. Yeah, man. We, we will We will totally go for another couple of hours. But Tony, no, thank you so much <laughs> for jumping on with me, man. This is honestly, this has been a bucket list for mine for a long time. And uh, I'm so glad that you could take some time to, to join me. All right, man. I'm glad. I have no idea how you're going to break this off <laughs> in, in the segment. Uh, we're just going to uh, end it right there. <laughs> thanks a lot, man. That podcast went way longer than I thought it was going to. I mean, Tony and I will get talking. And we'll get talking. There's a lot of guests that I'll just get talking and we could go forever. And the thing was, is it was really getting late for Tony. Uh, Tony's two hours ahead of me. And um, he was on a podcast before. He was on a podcast with my friend CloverTech. And then he got off CloverTech, came right onto my podcast. And 
this is on top of working a whole day and he wakes up at five in the morning. So he only had six hours from when we finished recording and even the after chat to when he had to wake up. So uh, he was really, really going a long day that day. And I really do appreciate that he took the time out to talk to us on this podcast. Definitely go check out Tony Simon's work. He's a great guy. He's so easy to listen to, and he's a great person to talk to. And if you're in the area, definitely go check out a diversity shoot. I love the concept of the diversity shoot because tools don't care who you are. And a firearm is a tool. Now he's going to teach you how to use that tool. And he's going to do it in a safe manner. You're going to know how to be safe with a firearm and you're going to be well you're going to be with everybody it does it doesn't matter who you are what gender what ethnicity whatever you decide to call yourself we want you into the 2a world we're equal opportunity here and tony is the perfect example of our community being equal opportunity Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there and look forward to talking to you again soon.